Roy Kent, ex-Chelsea legend, joins us. Welcome, Roy. <clears throat> right, um, what did you think? Did your former club play well? No, I thought they played like shit. <laughs> Uh, our apologies to the viewing audience, Roy Kent, with some salty language. Would you care to elaborate, Roy? All right. Chelsea was shit today. <laughs> shocking. Watching them, you'd never know they were playing at home. They were too timid. They were too respectful of United. They were lucky they didn't lose by three or four or ten. That's harsh, Roy. United's been on a good run recently. Who gives a shit, Chris? <laughs> That's no excuse to play like you're afraid of them. You could see it in their faces, abject terror, like children waiting in line for the handsy father Christmas. Have some fucking pride in your shirt, or don't fucking wear it. Why <laughs> <laughs> can't you fucking let him? I mean, that is how you do it. I enjoy his candor. Again, we apologise for almost every word Roy just said. Welcome into another episode of the Revisited Podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Kristen. This week we are covering Ted Lasso Season 2, Episode 2, Lavender. And before we get started, Happy New Year! Happy New Year! Yeah, it's 2024. Yay, it's 2024. The year of the Halbergs. That's, oh, I'm hoping it's the year of the back too. Because it's, God, do I need an improvement. I totally get it. You know what, though? I have noticed that even numbered years are usually trash. 2020 is the mild uh, exception. But in my life, historically, even uh, odd, odd numbered years, sorry, odd numbered years are usually really, really difficult. Oh, I hope that's not the case. No, even For numbered years are good. Oh, 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 okay. All right. Odd numbers are the worst ones. For me, hard? historically, okay. yeah, historically. Oh, then I hope. Then I hope it is the case. Yes, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I had and it confused. It is the we call it. You know, the Kobe Bryant year, 24, 2024. So you know, has to be is, better. What is twenty twenty four in the Chinese zodiac? I don't know, but it's also an election year, which is going to be a d hot garbage trash dumpster fire this it year is and it's a leap year and it's an olympic year which always makes my heart happy i am excited about that yes the lunar new year starts on february 10th 2024 and it is the year of the dragon oh yes okay yeah. see 2024 it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one it's gonna be a good year i'm excited now you're the dragon. You know, Danny is obsessed with dragons. So we've got Kobe Bryant year, dragon year, and uh, it's an even numbered year. So it's got to be good. Yeah. Well, let's knock on wood. It's going to be good. Eat your black eyed peas, knock on the wood, throw some salt over your shoulder, go outside, spit, turn around three times, come back <laughs> in. Okay. We're doing this, people. All right. We're going to make it a good year. We're going to make it a good year. Uh, we hope like you guys. Tires. Oh God. 
Uh, we hope you guys enjoyed our coverage of Hannah Waddington special last week. Well, again, we took a we we didn't take a break per se, but we took a break from the coverage just to do a little bit of a little fun stuff for Christmas. So Christmas, Christmas time is here. So we hope you guys had a great Christmas holiday and again, happy new year. But we are back to the coverage of Ted Lasso. As We're back, baby. <laughs> as you mentioned, season two, uh, episode one, uh, season two, episode two, Lavender. Lavender. Uh, before we jump into the episode, as always, we just got to mention we're going to try and keep this as spoiler free as possible for those of you watching for the first time. Uh, but we will do a spoiler section a little bit later on. So if you want to avoid that, just check the show notes to find out where to stop listening and then where to come back in when we do quotes, feedback, and all the other fun stuff. I don't really have spoilers for this episode. I have two things that might be pretty quick. Okay. Um, so spoiler territory is not going to be too long. Okay. This episode. Um, but I do want to say, uh, to, to just kick off this episode, um, this is a great episode for Jamie Tart. I agree. I also think this episode is a really good reminder that this show, while heartwarming, is not for younger viewers. Oh, one hundred percent this i had a 13 year old kid last night tell me that they love ted lasso and i looked at them and i said you should not be watching ted lasso (laughs) i said it in front of their parents and i didn't even care i was like absolutely not no (laughs) yeah well because you've mentioned it a number of times before how it's like one of the most adult heartfelt shows like not for kids <laughs> so vulgar <laughs> it is there are this episode is the prime example why i think it's the most vulgar of all of the episodes because keely and roy just take it to the next level with their bedroom antics i don't consider it vulgar it's definitely adult it's adult okay it's i adult. use the word vulgar in respect to children watching the show okay okay that i can see it i mean the stuff that they talk about and they do is completely normal for adults yes it's just not you like you said it's just not for children it nope (laughs) not at all nope it would be Um, bb putting her uh headphones on and an eye mask yeah (laughs) headphones eye mask put her in another room um maybe have her at her own mom's house (laughs) but as yeah but as adult as it is it's amazing yes oh (laughs) it's it's so it's so good and one of the things that like i think that's the most like not even surprising about it is that as as adult as the content is between Roy and Keeley in this episode, it doesn't surprise us. No, no. This to us is just them. Oh, and like, it's also this is just how they Keely. are. And well, and Roy. Like this is right, but Keeley you know. is very sexually open about yes. everything. So it's like she's not embarrassed by anything. She doesn't care. She's just she's very and I honestly like I admire that because I am not that way, you know? And so I really really admire people that can be that free 
and expressive with themselves. Like, I don't know. Like, well, not good only, for her. Not, not only that, but to see a couple that are so secure with themselves that and secure within their own relationship that, you know, you can walk in on your partner doing what they're doing to right. something else and joke about it and laugh right. about it and, you know, make off the collar remarks, you know, for the sake of maybe poking a little fun at your partner until you realize what it is they're watching. And then it adds a little insecurity. That's the best part <laughs> is what she's watching. Because really, if you've never seen the show, because I remember the first time I watched the show, I'm like, what is this going to be? I thought it was going to be like an interview or featurette about her. Um, oh, so get, like I, getting off on herself. Right, exactly. Okay. Or maybe like an old video of Jamie or something just to like throw it in the mix. Who knows, right? Did not expect it at all to be the retirement speech. <laughs> well, but I mean, again, like when we look at this scene, like I love that this is what we started with is is this is this element of the episode. But there's also something very loving about it. Like the yeah. fact that when you find out why she finds this retirement speech so incredibly sexual, like yeah. why it turns her on is because it is seeing a side of Roy. She doesn't normally see it's a side where he is very vulnerable and that's a turn on for her. Yeah. Like to see that side of your partner, I get it. Like is yeah. Like you get turned on by seeing somebody able to be something you don't ordinarily see them be. Well, especially when you look at who she's dated. I mean, she's dated like football players. They're very cocky people. They're very self-confident. They're very sure of themselves, especially Roy, especially Jamie. I mean, they're not, right? But that's mm -hmm. their persona. So to see who they really are behind that facade, yeah, it means that you you get that intimacy with that person. Yeah. Um, And Unfortunately for Roy, that intimacy is for everyone. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, because, and that's the thing, we've already heard it. You know, we heard it last episode when when they did the double date with John Wings night, and he's like, you know, I, I saw your retirement speech, uh, you know, and my father saw your retirement speech. So we've already gotten hints at this, what this speech is. Mm -hmm. But this is the first time that we are actually seeing this speech we don't right. see it in full um, i wish we did oh man it would be so great if we did if it's some you know it, it's it, even if like, somewhere i i i wonder if they did actually like record an entire thing and put it out so that there. they could I, just pull from it at any point i don't think they did though because i think i have searched on youtube roy kent retirement speech and There's i think just it just nothing. brings you this clip in the show um but it would have been fun if you're right, if they did just for fun films like Actually, the entire Trent Krim. <laughs> Trent Krim, the independent. Oh, Can God. you expand on the way that you're feeling right now? <laughs> Is it because you're a washed up person that will never be on the pitch again? Well, I mean, yeah, that would have been fun if Trent if Trent Krim was there. But yeah, but I like I, I think this as funny as this scene is and, and can be an adult, there's something very very like great to see like this it adds to this relationship yes. even more yes it, it clues us in word. it clues us in as a viewer on how strong their relationship is too 
Yes. But they're not just this, they're not just playing boyfriend, girlfriend. They're actually like in a very committed relationship with each other. Yes. Yeah, exactly. They are committed to one another. Um, it's not a fling. Like you said, it's not a fling. It's not a on or on again, off again. This is a committed relationship these mm-hmm. two people are in. Yes. And it's hundred percent. It's great because this is I love this relationship. Um Let's jump back to the beginning, though, the opening of this, uh, seeing Jamie get booted off of Love, uh, Lust Conquers All and being interviewed after being booted by. Um, Have you ever th- seen those that like clips of these two? Oh, I have. They're hilarious. Yeah. They are a very real morning show in the UK. It's kind of um, like live with Regis and Kathy Lee or except Ra- what is it? It's- Kelly and Ryan or something. Who cares? Except better. Well, yes, but it's kind of like that or good morning America or something like that. Um, Right. I will sort of. Yeah. Um, And and I will tell people too, if you've never seen these two hosts before um, one of the, it is still to this day, one of my favorite clips of their, them just laughing is the clip where the two of them are trying Gino's Mac and cheese. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go on YouTube and just Google the I, I got to remember their so name. So insulting. It's so insulting. It's it's Gino DeCampa. Uh go, just go on YouTube and search Gino DeCampa mac and cheese. You'll find the clip that oh way. Oh my and gosh, I totally forgot about that till right now. It's hilarious. G- Gino making mac and cheese for the two of them and her telling him it's a carbonara if you, if you put ham in it it would be like a british carbonara just stop just and, stop just let it <laughs> stop just yeah. stop just i know look, that you want to say it but yeah. just stop <laughs> just go find that clip that's i will that's all i will say it is one of the funniest fucking clips i have it's all hilarious his rebuttal that leads to Everybody on set just breaking. Yeah. Is just yeah. hilarious. It's hysterical. Very, but yes, they well are done. they are two very real news reporters. So it was great seeing them cameo in the episode as well. Um but we're seeing Jamie at a very low place. Like we're finding out he left Manchester United on his own. Uh he's on this show that he thought he was so confident he was winning. Yeah. And he got booted. He got well, and then he learned on air that he was not going to be able to go back to his team. Yeah. And um, I'm I'm glad that you brought this up because I do think that Jamie did this on purpose. Um, When he walks away, when he leaves the studio and he signs, he signs the, uh, the autographs and takes the pictures and he's so good with his fans. He really like, he's great with with those kids. Like you really see a nice side of Jamie in, in this little um, scene outside. But then he says he's going to walk. And as he walks away, he's smiling. And I think he feels freedom for the first time in a really long time. He doesn't have to go back to Man City where his dad is. He doesn't have to be beholden to this contract that took him away from the team he really wanted to be on. And I think that he did this all to derail his career. I really do. Whether it was conscious or subconscious, because now it gives him the opportunity to go back to Richmond. 
Yeah, I can. You know what? I can absolutely see that because you're right. I, I didn't really pick up on it, but you're right. As it's very quick, mm-hmm. like blinking, you'll miss it. He he does let out a smile. He smiles yeah. as he's as he's walking away. Um, so yeah, I can. There's a part of me that believed that as well. That maybe this is a little bit of intentional self destruction. Um, to to see you know where things are because he says it later on in the episode. When he like when he he's asked like why did you go on Les Conquers All and he's like I did it kind of to get back at my dad yeah you know so yeah there's a little bit of self destruction but he's also intentionally kind of lowered himself to the point where he can't get any lower. A lot of people that are self sabotagers will do this to themselves and they'll take a look around and wonder how they got there. And a lot of it is because if, if it it happens for two reasons, right? You either self-sabotage because things are going so well that you might as well just end it now before it gets worse Mm -hmm. or, or before things go bad, or you are in such a bad place and you have so much self hatred for yourself that you just can't help, but ruin everything that comes your way. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that Jamie is in that camp. I don't think that, I don't think that, you know, things were necessarily going very well at Man City. I think he was very, very upset that he was pulled there. You know, he, he had finally been given this really good mentor in Ted Lasso and literally the next day after they have that huge pitch fire and you know they sing Richmond till we die and Jamie's really a part of the team they're all a part of this wonderful little network that they kind of had that bonding ceremony on and the very next day Jamie's gone um and that really takes its toll on everybody and you you see how it affects uh Sam when when there is a thought that Jamie might be coming back because while they had bonded as a team, they had found their way to move on as a team that plays well without him. And now that might be that equilibrium might be thrown off. But Jamie, Jamie was a part of this. He left to go to man city. He was doing well at man city, but he wasn't where he wanted to be. And his father was proving that he was just getting beaten down over and over and over again by his father. And he's playing on this team. And then he sees Ted and Ted is just proud of him, even though he's not even playing on his team, you know? And so I just, I'm like all over the place with this point with Jamie, but I can see, I can see every, it's one of those rare times where you can see everybody's point of view. Yeah, no. And it's, it's, it's weird because you're watching a person who, as we mentioned, kind of is at his lowest. He's been, he left the team on his own. He find out he's never gone. He's, he's not invited back. He walks into his agent and no other team wants him. Like he's saying like, well, what about Madrid? What about all these other places? And the only thing that's offered to him is a reality show in Ibiza where he has to take ecstasy every day for like 30 days. He is in a spot where, nothing's available to him. We're seeing Jamie at really one of his lowest points because he went from somebody who was incredibly cocky thinking he was God's gift to football, which to be fair, he kind of was, uh, you know, so his confidence was merited who now has lost pretty much everything. 
And as, as hard as that is for a character as viewers, we're kind of seeing this and we kind of are happy. We're happy about this, not because we want to see him punished, but because we know as viewers, this is the prime opportunity for growth of Jamie Tart. Yes. Like we were kind of into Jamie now seeing this because now we can see Jamie grow. He's very soft this episode. Yes. You know, he's been building his quote unquote brand the whole time since we've met him as a character. And you're start in the beginning of this episode, you see the results or the fruits of what building that brand really means for Jamie Tart. He is he is now his brand is to be trashy. And to be um, really, really surface level. There's no, mm-hmm. he he's not dynamic. There's no layers to him. Uh, people are sick of his shtick, you know? Um, and he's realizing that he has made some pretty egregious errors at this point. And now he wants to fix them. And the only way he knows how to fix them is to go to the one person that ever believed in him his entire life so far. And that's Ted. And much to the surprise of him and probably us as viewers at the time, too, is Ted telling him no. I was shocked again because you know that he comes back. Well, you know that he comes back to the team. So it's it's just it's so weird because he says no. And I'm like, what? Wait a minute. What? <laughs> yeah. yeah <'cause laughs> I thought I, I knew rem- this part. <laughs> I didn't remember him saying no. Um you know, so much so that we get to the point, and I know I'm skipping right to the end with this, with Jamie walking back out onto the pitch with with yeah. the rest of AFC Richmond and seeing the look, like seeing all the different looks in everybody's Oof. faces, which we'll, we'll get to that. But I remember like the first time watching this episode and seeing Jamie walk out on the pitch and being like, oh, shit's about to go down now. But this time watching it, seeing him walk out on the pitch, I was like, yes. Yay! Shit's about to go down. Jamie's back. Yeah, (laughs) I was legitimately, I think the first time watching this, I felt like Sam. Like, this isn't going to work. I don't know how this is going to work. But this time watching it, knowing what we know about Jamie, I was like, yes. Like, I'm incredibly happy to see Jamie back with AFC Richmond. Yes, 100%. Because there is so much growth that's about to happen. And Ted looks like he's about to, like, have diarrhea on the pitch. Oh, Ted doesn't know how to react. He's just like, oh, I know what's coming. Nobody's going to like it. Nobody's going to like me. Um, But one of my favorite parts about the big the big reveal of Jamie being back on the pitch with the team is you're right. We see Ted, we see Beard, and like Beard's kind of like, okay, what is going on? Ted looks like he's gonna be sick to his stomach. Sam is you could tell like there's some pissed off, like he's getting a little angry. McAdoo, if you watch, just kind of waves it off. Yeah. He's in the background, he sees Jamie, and then he goes right back to work, you know, on the team. But the interesting one, the most interesting reaction to me is Rebecca, because it goes up to the office and you see Rebecca, Keely and Higgins. Higgins and Keely are have the looks on their face of like, what is going on? Isn't Sharon there, too? um, Yes, doctor. Yeah, yeah, Sharon is in there, too. Um, But Rebecca standing behind Keely looks at Keely, sees her face, and then smiles. Hmm. And then it cuts to black. 
And yeah. that's the end of the episode. Because I think Rebecca is of the same ilk of, okay, w- this is going to be interesting. Yeah. You I know, mean, can you I'm imagine sure had- being that kind of a person too that creates that much of a reaction when you just walk into work? I mean, yeah. that's pretty significant because he has been a cancer. He's been a cancer, but he's coming in and you can see his face. He doesn't want to be a cancer. And I don't think he knows how not to be a cancer. And I think Jamie's at a point in his life where he knows this. Like yeah, but has- we're going to see him. We're going to see him struggle. Oh, absolutely. It's not yeah. just going to be a breeze from here on out. The no. team's not going to accept him right away. There's going to be some turmoil going forward. Right. But he's also, he's got to learn too how to be a team player. Well, he's and never I think, had to be a team player before. And I think that's the huge difference in this is that when he was on the team before, he didn't know how to be a team player and he mm-hmm. really had no interest in learning. This is different Jamie. He was he, Jamie Top. He has, he doesn't know how to be a team player, but he's willing to listen at this point. Yeah. It's going to be a struggle huh. because it, it takes a while to shake old habits. Yeah. But he's, this is a Jamie that's willing. Yeah. And it already makes him so much more of a better character. Yes, I agree. And, you know, we're going to see a lot of a lot of good stuff, especially with Jamie and Roy, with Jamie and Ted, Jamie and Keely. I mean, there's just there's a lot of really good, good stuff that's coming up. And I'm excited that we're at this point now. Um, Sam, Sam's reaction, even as a rewatch, caught me off guard again to just the prospect of Jamie coming back. Well, I think that was the intent. Because it even threw off Ted. Yeah. You know, the fact that he got pissed off, stormed off. He threw a temper tantrum. Yeah. But I love the reaction in the conversation with him and Ted, you know, inside. Mm -hmm. You know, where Sam is like immediately regretful that he even acted that way. Mm -hmm. But one of my favorite parts of that scene is the fact that, you know, when you know, when Ted asks him to tell him, like, tell me, like, what is going on? Ted doesn't rebut it. He listens. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say anything back. He lets Sam get off his chest everything that he's feeling. He doesn't defend any of his decisions. He doesn't try and be like, yeah, but like he, he just sits and he listens. And well, obviously Sam, Sam had something to say. I mean, Sam is not somebody who is going to go crazy. I mean, he's a very kind, understanding human being. So for Sam to be this riled up and this upset, Ted does need to listen. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. It's nice that he recognized that. It just shows what a great coach he is. Well, that's what I mean. It goes back to what I was saying, you know, either last episode or previous episodes, is that he treats these players as people. Yes. Yes. You know, and that's a prime example of it is mm-hmm. that he he lets Sam say what he needs to say. He doesn't try and rebuke or rebut. He just lets him get it off his chest. And it leads to the great reaction where, you know, where Ted says, like, no, I told Jamie no. And Sam's yeah. like, Oh, really? Well now I feel bad. <laughs> like now now I feel even bad that I even reacted this way. Right. 
Yeah, but he needed to, you know, and, and that conversation was so important. I think, (laughs) unfortunately for Sam, that, that conversation was so important in the decision to bring Jamie back. Yes. I mean, Sam, Sam helped Ted make this decision. (laughs) That's going back to what I mentioned too, about Rebecca and the reaction that Rebecca had is like, you have to realize, you know, Rebecca was in on this. She had to be. She's the boss. Well, of course. So the decision to bring back Jamie, I have a feeling the only three people who were in on this were Rebecca, Ted, and Jamie. You don't think Leslie knew? No, because Leslie looked as surprised as everybody else did. Leslie had thumbs up. He wanted to bring Oh, that's true. So maybe Leslie was in on it. But it's very clear that uh, Keely did not know. No. Um, Sam Keely, is Keely really employed with them yet though? No, I think she just works with them. I think she's I still think- friend capacity, so she wouldn't know anyways. Well, I mean, she is talking about like, she works with the team cause she is doing, cause she mentioned the, the, the promotion with Sam for mm-hmm. the airline. Um, mm. You know, so she definitely is working with AFC Richmond. I don't think she's employed by AFC Richmond. Okay. But I think AFC Richmond is really her only client right now either, too, or two. She hasn't even started her journey yet. Yeah. Her yeah. journey's great. I like her journey as well. I, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just been, it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic. Again, I talked about it at the top. This is a great episode for Jamie. It doesn't seem like it, but it is. You know, it's funny that we're talking about who knows what, because at the top of this this episode, we do see that Ted has not been let in on another uh, new hire mm-hmm. to the team. So we've got two new faces, two new people. We've got Jamie coming back, and we've got Dr. Sharon is on for the rest of the season that we learn. Which, it, that it really, there was a very interesting dynamic that came of this, because you're right, Ted is not in on this. But it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to require me to bring in another character again, and that's Nate. Hmm. Because we get more of Nate's power trip this episode. <laughs> the... What he does with Will and how he treats Will, it was said perfectly in your husband Dave's feedback from last episode when he mentioned Sirius Black about how the true merit is like seeing how someone treats their inferiors, not their equals. The scene where like he's flipping out that there's lavender added to the wash and, you know, but even before that, when he calls Will in, he's like, Will, can I speak to you for a moment? walks out and then closes every door between them to force Will to open the door. Yeah. Yeah. To knock. That was a very shitty thing that he did. That's an absolute power trip. 100% is that a power trip? Um, Because we talked a little bit about that last week. But it leads me to the dynamic in the two in that, you know, we get to see this power trip from Nate and how he's treating his inferiors. But then we get it again with Ted confronting Higgins about hiring Dr. Sharon and him not being in on it. But he's empowering Leslie 
in that right. conversation. <laughs> in the, He's not putting him down. It's the He's best, like, the best <laughs> conversation too. He's like, I got to see if I can pull it up completely. Um, but yeah. Like, oh, I have the transcript. Do you, if you have that, that particular scene, because yeah, I have it you, pulled up too, and I'm trying to find it. Um, but he's, he's empowering Leslie right. in that moment. Um, oh yeah. Where is it? Cause I'm trying to find it. I got it. Okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 oh, I da. found hey, it too. Higgins, if you, if did you, you hire? <clears throat> hey Higgins, did you hire Doctor Sharon without running it by me first? Yes, I thought it couldn't hurt, but I should have asked you first, Ted. You're absolutely right. No, I'm dead wrong. I mean, heck, you're the director of football <laughs> operations. You got to be able to make your own decisions. Still, you should have texted me first. That's one hundred percent true. No, one thousand percent false. I mean, you're a busy man. Whatever path you think is best is going to be best. Still, next time you have plans, you want I want you to run them by me first. Okay. No, I will not. Good. Why should why should you? I ain't your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I mean. Like we go from this scene with Nate tearing down Will and just like putting him down to this next scene with Ted confronting Higgins about a decision he wasn't in on, but empowering Leslie to right. be confident in the decisions that you are making. Right. I ain't your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Ted. I should have like, no, 1000%. You shouldn't have. Like, it's I like just- it that, that Beard has to tell Higgins, no, just say no. Okay. Just, <laughs> this is going to go on all day. Just please just say no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, I, I love that dynamic, but it's, you know, you're right. It, going back to what you were saying, you know, Ted was not let in on this decision to keep Dr. Sharon around. And because yes. he's still having these these issues with therapy with therapists. Well, and we've talked about the fact that that is 100% okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm very interested to see if, cause as we, we never really check the feedback beforehand. We never listen mm-hmm. to voicemails usually um, or read them beforehand. So I'm very curious if we get to the feedback section of this episode uh, after what we said last episode mm-hmm. <laughs> to see if there's any rebuttals to that. So we'll see. Dr. Sharon has a pretty good episode as well here, I think. We we know a lot about her after this episode, I think, and and kind of what her style is. I love how she unnerves and disarms Ted because she says in the very beginning when Ted comes in and tries to give her cookies, she's like, I see what you're doing here. She's, you know, she's like, you're trying to connect with me and and you have all these little quips and it's very disarming. It, it's very effective. So she decides that she is going to in turn disarm Ted a little bit because I think that she's picked out some of his insecurities um, as, as a coach. And I don't know if you do notice this, but she does get closer Every single time oh. he, he oh my god, does her, she? Yeah, she gets closer, and it's yeah. hilarious because she knows what she's doing. Well, because even and even the third time he turns back, he's like, "Oh, she's definitely getting." <laughs> <laughs> but I will say, I, I agree with you in that she disarms Ted. But I want to say from the other side of it too, I think she is actually what she is seeing from Ted as a person and what she, she is seeing uh, from Ted as a coach are two completely different things because I think she is actually in one particular moment in this episode, I think she's actually genuinely impressed and feels Ted is a lot more intelligent than he leads on because there's a, she gave him credit for in the beginning as well. 
Yes, because there is a moment where he actually does lay a little bit of wisdom on her, and she seems genuinely like impressed by Remind it me a little on bit. That. Um, when they're talking about how she is sugar-free, she says, trust me, it's in everybody's best interest. In a past life, I would inhale a Cadbury flake, talk nonsense for an hour until I passed out. In the se- and then Ted rebuts with, I'm the same way with video games. And she says, how so? And he says, you know, it's just something in my life that I really enjoy. But then I pretend that preventing myself from having them is somehow making my life better. But in reality, all I'm doing is depriving myself of something that makes me happy instead of attempting to adjust my relationship to it. Which she drops a little bit of knowledge on Doc. And she doesn't really say much in return, which to me, she's kind of she's kind of taken in by it. Does she have a bite of the cookie before or after he says that? I think it's before. Okay. Yeah. I well, mean, because we don't know she she dropped all sugar until after she takes a bite. That's right. Yeah. And for her to take a bite. When she doesn't have any sugar, she is throwing him an olive branch there. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're both making compromises for each other. So they both have respect for each other. And it's very nuanced in the way that they show it. Um, But she understands that he has a deep problem with her profession. And she probably has um, some pretty strong thoughts about coaches um, or what what do you call them? They're not coaches. They're gaffers. Gaffers. Yeah. (laughs) uh, you know, in her own experience as well. So, um, I do like their, their relationship. I like how it evolves over this season too. Um, it's just, I love, I was not a fan of Dr. Sharon, um, in the beginning, the first time around, but just knowing her own journey in the show as a character, um, I just am appreciating her so much more. And I'm, I'm really seeing how flushed out of a character that she was, um, from the very beginning, she's the new Rebecca for this season. But she's not. She she's not trying to be destructive. She's actually trying to help. Rebecca no, was oh, no, not. Yeah, that's you're right. Rebecca was trying to tear the team down. Um, when I say she's the new Rebecca, I mean in a sense of like this is a character that I think we're not meant to like at first. Possible adversary. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah, I would agree. By the well, end, it's it's a very rela- different relationship. Although it tends to turn a, a little quicker with Doctor Sharon than it did with Rebecca. Well, because now you have Jamie coming in, and Jamie is its own hurricane yes. that's coming yeah. in. So you can't have too too many storms at one time. So you know you get this hard introduction to this team psychologist and then when jamie comes in it's kind of a blessing in disguise that we have dr sharon now over here well not only not only that but not only with the team is she a blessing of disguise but she's a blessing in disguise for ted too and i think Mm. we're we're starting to we kind of see that by the end of this episode and we're definitely going to see it as we go forward because we know ted we as viewers know ted is struggling he's having issues with things this is somebody who is going to help ted yeah. Um, and we do see them give a little ground to each other again by the end of this episode, too, when she tells him, you can call me Doc. And you he know? is so grateful. <laughs> because he doesn't have to fight the urge to not call her Doc. Well, because now. she's seeing him as who he is now and not as who her perception of who he should be or or anything like that. I think that she it's like any teacher. And, and I always equate everything back to teaching, but I think that teaching is just such a fundamental part of 
anybody's life, but Mm -hmm. a teacher comes in hard at the beginning to establish their boundaries, to establish their uh, patterns. Um, You know, that has to be addressed first. And I think for a psychologist, it's the same way. I'm coming in, but I am not your friend. You know, and that needs to be established. We are not friends. For Mm -hmm. me to do my job, we can't be friends, you know. But now, now that that boundary has been established and it looks like Ted is respecting that boundary, which is very difficult for Ted to do, she sees that she also needs to throw him a bit of a bone and relax a part of her to bring Ted in a little bit. Well, it's it's also interesting to note, too, in the line that she says at the end of the episode, which kind of shines a little bit of a light, because you're we're seeing these two characters in Ted and Dr. Sharon approach things that they're not used to approaching from, or that they're not used to approaching from this angle, in that we've talked about Ted already and his thoughts on therapy, so now he's got to approach this whole idea of Dr. Sharon coming in and, you know, helping the team and eventually helping him you know, which he's kind of not comfortable with and not used to, but also at the end of the episode, when she thanks him for giving her the permission to come down and view the team, she tells him that like a lot of other coaches don't like that idea. They don't want the therapist down there on the view, but she's thankful to Ted for giving her the opportunity to do that. So she's seeing, she's approaching this from a particular way that she's used to only to find that it's different than what she thought. The whole club is different. Yes. And I think that, that that's kind of an important theme that is throughout this entire series is that, you know, whatever anybody, and maybe if we were British, we would understand this more, right? But whatever uh, presumptions that anybody has about what's going to happen at AFC Richmond, they are they learn very quickly that it is different. Trent Krim learns this. Dr. Sharon is learning this. Jamie is learning this. Rebecca has even learned this, you know, so things are different at AFC Richmond. And, um, and that is, that is very, very apparent once you're in there regularly. Um, Sharon's insight about the team um, is also really really wonderful. She sees that the lasso way works. She sees that mutual respect is genuine and sincere. It's not somebody just saying, we have respect here. No, people are walking the walk. They're talking the talk. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, it, it, she recognizes, um, she recognizes that positive, but she also tells Ted, it's also a negative. You haven't won a game. You guys are all so concentrated on not stepping on each other's toes and respecting each other and and ha- and deferring to one another that nobody's hungry. Nobody's hungry to win that game. Everybody seems to be okay with tying. You know, just saying that you're playing well and you're playing well with each other, you're playing well with other teams, that doesn't mean that you're winning. You know, and for a team to be competitive, you have to have that hunger in them. And so I think that it's that combination of how do we get the team to to be more hungry and how do I help Jamie Tart um, because he needs a male role model in his life. Bringing those two thoughts together into what happens at the end of the episode is really 
um, quite impressive. And Dr. Sharon's insight into the team and Ted's conversation with Sam about Jamie really helps kind of fuel this decision to move forward with Jamie joining back with the team. Yeah. I mean, it is pretty much, I think you're right. I think, you know, everything that happened with Sam, which we, which we talked about, you know, was kind of already conflicting for, for Ted, Mm. but Dr. Sharon is really the one that puts it in the perspective, you know, saying like, Hey, if you call eight ties in a row with like, you know, doing well, what, what have you. But yeah, I think that's really the final nail that kind of, you know, convinces Ted, we need to shake things up. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, she's right. We're not hungry enough. We got to bring in the second ace. And And you need to do it with Jamie because it's going to piss off the players. You're going to get that emotion. Because they're going to need. They're, they're going to be, you're right. They're going to be motivated to show that they can be a team without Jamie, which is one going to push them further. It's going to make them hungrier to win. But two, it's also going to raise the bar for Jamie to reach. Yes. It's helping everybody. Yes. In that sense. But nobody's going to see that in the beginning. No. It's going to be complete chaos. And I just, I can't wait. It's because the bar for Jamie to have walked in on AFC Richmond for the way it was, the bar was already set to a standard. And Jamie has reached that standard already. It would have been easy for him to reach again. So to bring... To bring in Jamie forces the team to raise that bar even higher. The team is going to raise it on their own to make it impossible for Jamie to reach. Because which they want to show to humble Jamie, which is what he needs. Which is going to make him work harder to reach it. Correct. So that when everything comes together, this team is performing at this standard and winning games again, and Jamie comes up to that standard, mm. this is going to be one of the greatest teams in the league. Yes, I agree. So it is, it works. I mean, you know, it's, it's a great, it's very smart on Ted's, uh, on Ted's behalf to, to mm-hmm. have done, made this decision. Yeah. Not everybody sees it, like you said, but it'll, it'll work. And Ted's confident in that. He doesn't do stuff unless he's confident. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I, Maybe that's something to look into a little Hmm. bit. I don't necessarily agree with that, but okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do love that Jamie follows Keely around. Yeah. (laughs) For like a really long time. He's like, he's like, I just walked in here. No, actually I've been following you for about 10 minutes. Nah, I've been waiting outside of the, (laughs) outside of the club for like four hours or something (laughs) like that. I, I've been cover- I've been following you the- your entire lunch break. That's what um, it is. I think that's a very endearing quality of Jamie too, in that he still he does have at least one thing he can hang on to, and that's his feeling, like his confidence to confide in Keely. That yes. is something very sweet and endearing he about Jamie. Her, yeah. I mean, if he were to look back on everything, he would see that Keely did everything for him. You know, like she always had his best interests at heart. And once he broke up with Keely, really everything went downhill for him. He started making his own decisions, proving that he was a trash person. Mm -hmm. 
who was just being handled by Keely, barely. But I, lo- I love the fact that you, yeah, you bring up he was following her and kind of stalking her, and he hid behind a pole. That was shelf. hilarious. <laughs> An open shelf. Right through. An open shelf that you can see a right through. A very famous football player <laughs> yeah. is hiding behind an open shelf in a coffee shop. Sure, Jamie. Cool. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I like the fact that the two of them are still connected to each other. They can, like, you know, Keely and Keely listens. Like, that's, I think, the other great part of it is that she doesn't, yeah. she hasn't written off Jamie. She she still listens to Jamie when he, because she knows he needs someone well, to listen to. she cares about him. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she still cares about him because she cares about everybody. Yeah. You know, and I like it that she was honest with Roy. You know, she's like, hey. Uh, ran into Jamie and I talked to him. This is what we talked about, you know? And he's like, what'd you say? That he was talking to the wrong person, you know? Mm -hmm. Very simple, very easy. And they moved past it like normal, healthy adults. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that leads us into the next scene too, when, you know, well, after, (laughs) um, what proceeds with Roy and Keely, but, um, Oh no, there's nothing in that scene. Never mind, I take it back. Um, the next scene though is Jamie and Ted in in the bar, which we kind of touched on a little what bit. What a too. great scene that is. But the fact that Jamie sets the army man down on the bar means one, as we talked about, like when we talked about the finale, that meant something to Jamie. And two, he carries it with him. He yes. carries that army man with him. Yes, it means something to him. Yes. And, you know, as, as we learned from last week, those by not the binoculars, you know, really have, really have a special meaning for me. Now, Dave took it differently. Um, Dave, you know, because he knows all about military hierarchy and whatever. I just saw the binoculars and I was like, that just means that Ted's still paying attention to him. That's you right. Know? I was like, that was Ted's way of saying, I see you. That yeah, was how but I took it. Dave's breakdown was also very good. Um, you know, yeah, agreed. Yeah. So yeah, but that scene we talked a little bit about that already, and that you know Ted telling him no. I love um, May. I love Jamie's being like May. Can you just please do me a favor and just tell those guys to stop staring at me? Oi, fuck off! You three, fuck off! <laughs> <laughs> but that is what leads to the picture being taken, posted on Twitter. And right. it's the picture that Sam sees that makes them think that Jamie's coming back to the team. Right. In which they were correct, just not yet. <laughs> right. Well, and, you know, not even Ted knew it, you know? So that, yeah. I mean, I just, I really, really love all of the softer moments in this episode. There's a lot of them. Um, but if we could just go back to Nate real quick, because I know yeah. that we're about to move into Roy, um, <laughs> is that as he continues to put Will down, um, you know, a- as you said, he shut all the doors and he was expecting, you know, Will to just open up the door and come in. Um, he, he just is not understanding how destructive he's being. And I like it that Ted does. And I, I think that Ted sees what's happening with Nate and is trying to, instead of confronting him on his shit behavior, which, you know, even Beard was like, 
aren't they showering after the game? Like, I think the lavender is okay, man, you know? Um, But Ted moves Higgins into Nate's office. And I think it was a humbling, uh, an, an opportunity to humble Nate. I have more to say on this. I am reserving it for spoiler talk. Okay. Yes. But I did like the fact that he did that he did move Higgins into Nate's office. I think that Nate having his own private office, even when the head coach himself doesn't have one, was probably a terrible idea mm-hmm. for Nate. So getting that shared space with the director of football operations, um, I think was a really good call. No, I agree with you. And like I said, I have a little bit more, you know, just for to, spoilers. To, I, have, I have a little bit more to say about that in spoilers as well. Mm. Yeah, but no, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Um, yeah, let's let, let's talk about Roy a little bit more um, because this is the first time it was hinted at in season in the episode in episode one of the season. Uh, we finally get to see Roy become a pundit for sky sports and man is he perfect <laughs> it is one of the best scenes and it's fun to watch too because it's roy being roy like he yes. has roy has not been roy for a little bit now right um keely knows it it's one of the reasons why she even says it's such a turn on to see him be vulnerable because she tells him like you haven't been like that in a while um and it's because Roy misses football. He has been away from it for too long. The only taste of it he has is with the little girls team who sadly did not win the cup. Um, but now that that's over, he doesn't have anything. Right. He, d- he doesn't have any taste of football left. Right. So, you know, he makes that deal with Keeley to say like, all right, I'll do it. But if it doesn't work, I'm going to hire a bunch of children to just follow you around and tell you, I told you so. Right. Um, and we see him kind of like just take to it naturally and pretty much almost in an instant become the Roy of old. Yeah. In yeah. giving his true feelings in not and not just being criticizing, but constructively criticizing. Right. Oh, I just thought it was, I thought it was great. And I, and I have it up here. Roy Kent X Chelsea legend joins us. Welcome Roy. <laughs> right. What did you think? <laughs> did your former club play well? No, I thought they played like shit. Uh, our apologies to the viewing audience. Would you care to elaborate Roy? All right. Chelsea was shit today. <laughs> Watching them, you'd never know that they were playing at home. They were too timid, too respectful of United. They were lucky they didn't lose by three or four or ten. That's harsh, Roy. United's been on a good run recently. Who gives a shit, Chris? There's no excuse to play like you're afraid of them. You could see it in their faces. Abject terror, like children waiting in line for the handsy father Christmas. Have some fucking pride in your shirt or don't fucking wear it. <laughs> It's and it's great because there's two things that happen in this scene. One, I mean, in addition to Roy being Roy, one, he's sitting next to his old coach. Ah. Because George was the coach of AFC Richmond That's that was true. fired before Ted comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has worked with George before. And two, 
Keely is watching this on television, and at one point, she is embarrassed. She's very happy to see Roy on TV and giving it a shot, but then once he starts cursing and swearing, she's hanging her head a little bit. But then she thinks about it, and she checks social media, and Twitter is blowing up. Yeah, in a good way. In a great way. Yeah. In how, like, we missed Roy. This is Roy. Like, this is the old Roy Kent. Like, people are loving this. Because they started this off by making fun of him for crying. And so yes. you, you're you're reminded at the beginning of this that the last time anybody saw Roy Kent, he was sobbing. Yes. So Roy needed to come back and prove to everybody, including himself, that he was still Roy fucking Kent. He's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it leads into him saying to Keely, like, you were right. I I missed being a part of football. Yes. And to to keep it spoiler free, I can't wait for the next phase of Roy Kent. Yeah, well, and Roy just keeps getting better and better and better. They all do. They all do. Yes. Like, let's just, except for one character, they all keep getting better and better and better. Yes, agreed. One 100%. character does not. Which we've, mm, I'd say two. Two characters do not, because there's also Rupert. Uh, well, Rupert is a static character. He never changes. Oh, that's true. I really he don't. He has no evolving at mm, all. He does get worse. Okay, but he doesn't get better. He doesn't evolve. True. Very true. And I, I would even say he doesn't get worse. We just see more of how bad he is. Because we know how terrible he was to Rebecca. And he doesn't do anything that surprises or shocks anyone. Mm, I would say until the series finale. Because even that moment kind of shocks Rebecca. Mm, okay. I mean... I don't know. I I think he's pretty despicable throughout the entire show. I mean, the way that he sat there waiting to tell Rebecca to her face that they were that he that was having a, baby, having a baby. It, yeah. That was to me his most despicable. I I want to say though too, going back to Roy for a second, like I think Roy has always known and just never wanted to admit that he misses football. Um, right. Because ev- even in the scene where Ted, where Roy and Keeley are in the car, and they approach, you know, they're they're sitting outside. He's dropping off Keeley. He squeals off before he even has an opportunity to say hi to Ted. Well, yeah, he he's embarrassed. He's I think he's embarrassed. It's just he has turned into a meme of himself. You know. Yeah. Um. So I think him going out there and being Roy Kent the way that everybody knows him helps his image. It helps his confidence. It helps him get to the next place that he is eventually going to be, you know, Mm -hmm. it helps him jump off to his next chapter, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I only have a couple little things before we go into spoiler territory. Uh, I don't know if you have any other major things. I have one other thing um, and it's small. It was just, um, I love Danny's reaction to, the picture of Jamie Tart because everybody's pissed off and he's just like, Oh, it looks like he's in his hand. That's yeah. funny. Like <laughs> Danny doesn't care about anything. He just he wants, just to, wants play to play football. football. Yeah. yeah. And 
you know, he is the epitome of being a goldfish on that team. Like he emulates Ted's entire view about football or about being on a team, you know? So, um, I really, really enjoy that we have that one player on the team like Danny Rojas, who is just, he's excellent at the game, but he's also so accepting of everybody. He just enjoys the shit out of life. And (laughs) don't we all wish that we could be Danny Rojas? Yeah. In some degree or for, for something to just be a Danny Rojas and just be there for the love of what it is and not and be damned to the consequences. Yeah. He understands that they're getting paid a lot of money to play a game. You know what? I think to a degree, and like I, I think to a degree, I'm a little bit of a Danny Rojas when it comes to moderating panels at shows because I don't care who it is I'm on I'm on stage with or how many people are in the audience. I do it just because I love to do it. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit of a, don't get me wrong. I there's a part of me that always wishes the audiences could be bigger or the audience participated a little bit more. Right. But for the most part, I'm still happy to just be doing what I love doing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether it's a small show where there's 10 people in the audience or it's a huge show where there's like a thousand people in the audience, I'm equally I'm loving it equally. Yeah, I would so. I would agree with that with you yeah so i so i get it uh the only other thing i have to mention before we dive into spoilers is it's, it's such a bad joke but i love it when ted walks into the office and he sees higgins with the box and there's the plant <laughs> and he oh. introduces himself to the plant and he's like oh what's your name well hi robert nice to meet you and that took me a second until the next part i'm higgins, jimmy it's <laughs> like i'm jimmy because jimmy paper no. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Page. Oh, I should have got that. But that was when I was like, oh, Robert Plant. Okay. Again. Yeah. Very good. <laughs> Jimmy Page and Robert Plant. It's such a bad joke. But it's also a music theme joke. Yes. And which, we have lots of music themes throughout. Especially particularly with Higgins. Yes. Like it's just 100%. Yes. You know, I, it's just, it's great. Um, so. All right, at this point, then, we're going to dive into spoilers. Probably not going to be very long, because I only have two quick things I I just kind of want to bring up. Um, So if you're watching for the first time and you want to avoid it, just check the show notes to find out when we come back. Okay, so we we kind of, we we talked a little bit about Nate. So let's dive into, let's let's start with that one. Um, Going into the whole thing with Ted giving Higgins a spot in Nate's office. If you look at the season finale of this episode, we said we were going to like kind of take this this season and kind of watch to see how things progress to get Nate to that point mm-hmm. of telling him how you forgot about me, uh, you know, and like, and that and that was one of the reasons why he did what he would he does what he does at the end of the season. I think this is one of those first instances, Ted undermining. Nate feels like Ted undermines him to make him share a space with somebody else. Yeah. And this is the first thing I think Nate, this is the first moment Nate starts to feel like Ted forgot about him. Oh, I think it's, I think it's the second time. When was the first time? Last week when, um, when 
Nate was like, oh, really? Your grandmother? What? Tell me, what position does she play? And Ted's just like, you know what? No. No, Nate. Will, go ahead and leave early. Enjoy your grandmother's birthday. Okay. All right. That, that, was, yeah. that was in front of everybody. Yeah, that's fair. Well, this was too. Right, I mean, exactly. That's, so Higgins that's what is every episode now that is happening. Yeah. So this is the second time it happens. So I feel like, yeah, this is, we're starting to see like those little moments that Nate is not seeing what these moments are supposed to be. Teachable moments. Yeah. These are right. teachable moments that Ted is laying on him. Like he has done with everybody L- even on this Roy. team. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Roy, Jamie, like everybody. These are teachable moments. This is what a coach does. Nate doesn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. He is on a power trip and he sees these as moments that are undermining his authority, which he doesn't have. Right. So these are the little things. These are kind of like the hay piling up on the camel's back at this point. Yes. Yes. That is going to cause Nate to break and do like, which cause him to do what he be, does. Let's be clear though. What Nate does is inexcusable. I mean, what oh, he does absolutely. is just awful. What Nate is seeing is completely a Nate problem. Ted is not doing anything wrong. Higgins is not doing anything wrong. None of them are doing anything wrong. They are trying to build Nate up and Nate sees it as undermining and, and challenging his authority, which he's the low man on the totem pole as far as coaching goes. But because he's the one that understands the game more than Ted, he thinks he's entitled to Ted's position. Yeah, exactly. And and we see that more and more and more. And he is really going to start undermining Ted very, very soon. Well, to the point where, like we said, like what he does is inexcusable. What he does, he does in an attempt to get back at Ted. Yeah. And it, it is, he becomes the source to make it public of his anxiety attacks. Well, and then he also builds himself up, calling himself a wonderkind, and then he goes and he starts being the coach of Rupert's team, which is the ultimate betrayal at the end, you know? So, I mean, it's fun to watch this and see the markers of why Nate does what he does um, in an effort to understand why he does what he does, but I just can't help but continue to hate Nate. And, and I'm really working on it. I'm really working on it because he does have a nice arc in the third season. And he does. it's wonderful the way he comes back. And it's wonder like the whole thing is heartwarming. But I, I can't excuse any of it. No, <laughs> like, I mean. With Jamie, I can excuse it for some reason. But with Nate, it's just what he does is so vindictive and so terrible and so just shitty. I, I I don't have another word for it. Well, and it's one of those reasons why, you know, uh, yeah, like I remember in that speech where Nate confronts Ted in the finale of this season, like I remember being very angry yes. at Nate at that point. Like, like what, like you are, like you are such an asshole. You wouldn't be where you are if not for Ted. Like I remember getting very shakingly angry. The internet blew up after that episode. Nate is a wanker was like all we were saying in between seasons two and three. Hashtag fuck Nate. Yeah. Hashtag fuck Nate. Exactly. That was an actual hashtag. <laughs> yeah. 
But it also built up, like you mentioned that arc in season three, to the point where in the series finale, when the two of them are in the locker room together and Nate breaks down and like he's he wants to apologize to Ted and tell Ted tells him, like, no, we don't have to. And he's like, no, I need to. Mm-hmm. That was the first real moment in the finale that I got really emotional. I think I think the more impactful scene was actually Beard showing up at Nate's house. Well, that was the penultimate. That was the right, episode. That's before. what I, yeah, yeah, right. But if we're looking at both of those scenes, that scene to me was more impactful because Beard doesn't share. Beard doesn't let his guard down. Beard doesn't say anything really real. Um, you know, yeah, that was to me more impactful than his final conversation with Ted in that moment. And I think it's because we knew how Ted was going to react. We knew what to expect from Ted and we knew how sorry Nate was. So that was just more of a formality, I think, but beard showing up at, at Nate's house and, and really talking to him about Ted and his relationship with Ted and how much Nate, what Nate did to Ted impacted beard. Well, Um, I mean, and it's funny because you know how we talked about last season, how we've always known Rebecca, but we don't meet Rebecca until later. We don't really meet Rebecca until it's, it's debatable whether it's the Liverpool episode or it's the penultimate episode when she's in Ted's office and apologize comes clean with Ted. Mm-hmm. Like those are the moments where we meet Rebecca beard. We have through all three seasons. We don't meet beard until the penultimate episode of the show. Yeah. That's I mean, when we even, get even beard's the beard backstory. episode, even the beard episode, you know, the little long, strange, trippy beard episode. Yeah. Okay, so you know what Beard does on his free time, but you don't know Beard still. You still don't know Beard. It's yeah. not until the penultimate episode that we get his backstory. Right. And, it's and he is and he's gorgeous. It's, it's one of the most beautiful moments of the entire series. I agree. I agree. So and, and we wouldn't ever get that without Nate going on the journey that he want, goes on. Like I understand yeah. that Nate's journey fuels a lot of of the story um in season three, especially, but uh, I just hate I, I I hate watching this. It's like watching Rebecca in the first season. Yeah, I get it. Uh, the other thing I want to make mention of too, and spoilers as well, is we get another mention of Ted's dad. Um, uh, yeah, good job. The only the only other mention we've the only other mention we've gotten so far is the dark game in season one, and this one's a little more pertinent because it's him and Jamie talking about it, and they're sharing moments of dads and it's i've uh, ted says you know i've noticed that sometimes having a tough dad is exactly what drives certain fellas to become great at what they do you know i hear bono's father was a real piece of work but then again so was joshua tree so you know and um you know jamie says was your old man like that and ted replies no my father was a lot harder on himself than he ever was on me and it's not until later in this season that we find out exactly what he means by that in that we find out that his father committed suicide. Mm. You know, it's, and we, it is a deep embedded moment in Ted's life that he, you know, it's probably one of the main reasons that is why being separated from his son is so difficult for him. 
Oh, yeah. Well, fathers are molded and created by their fathers. And whether they choose to continue that mold that their father has created for them or break out of the mold that their father has created for them, it is one or the other. Well, because I was going to say, because I broke the mold. I became opposite of what my father is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean- uh, th- that's, and I think that that is just the case of fathers and sons. They either have this really great close relationship or or they hate each other. There's like no middle ground, I've noticed. I don't, yeah. So, yeah, I, it's not, I don't actually, I don't think in my own personal life, I don't think it's that my father and I hate each other. I, we just don't speak. You know, I think that Nothing is the middle each ground. Other. It's like, we just don't talk. Yeah. Okay. We don't, that's fair. we don't give each other a thought. You that's know? what dad that's what dave, um, dave d- d- and not about his father but uh dave always says that you know if you really actively hate somebody or you don't like them you still have feelings about them yeah. what it it's the nothing towards somebody it's the lack of feeling or emotion towards somebody where you know that's really the bigger impact yeah and that's and that's kind of you know that that's kind of where i am and in my relationship with my father is i just don't think about him you know, I don't think about him enough to hate him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, those are the only two things I really had in for spoilers for this episode. Okay. Uh, so let's bring it back in then to everybody coming back with some of our favorite quotes of the episode in which I, I have a few. We've said um, some already. We, we've said some already. Um, let's but read I the ha- transcript. <laughs> so, um, uh, I do have a couple <laughs> when Jamie is, is being interviewed on the show <laughs> and he says like, you know, just something I had to do. You know what I mean? The second that I found out George Harrison had died, I realized that I had to stop waiting for life to begin, start taking chances, living life to the fullest. But George Harrison died 20 years ago. Yeah. No. But I only just found out. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so good. What about you? What's one of your quotes? Uh, I do like it when they're um, proing and conning Jamie coming back. And one of the cons is he's poop in a punch bowl. He's a poop in the punch bowl. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh, I like this scene where it's actually right after Nate goes off on his thing with Will, but he looks at he looks at Beard and he says, did you sleep here? (laughs) Beard says, perhaps the dream here. (laughs) There's a nice little rebuttal. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? I have a couple more. I have like three more that we haven't um, mentioned yet. Make Look, baby, when you make that pass, you got to put some grass under it. Make Danny chase it down like it's a loose toddler in a busy parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> I miss that one. <laughs> I, I miss that one. Uh, I love the scene with Roy and Keeley sitting in the parking lot where they witness Ted on the back of the lawnmower and Ted's response is he's probably homesick closest thing he can find to a Dodge Ram yes 100% 100% let's see there ain't nothing out going on out there on this field that I can do better than any of y'all, unless you break into a game of finish that Jimmy Buffett lyric. That'll be ch- then I'll be changing your latitudes and attitudes left, right, and center. <laughs> Is it tacky to say I'm rich in an online dating profile? <laughs> Only if you put the word filthy in front of it. Delete, 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 <laughs> and she's delete. She's deleting it. <laughs> 
Uh, and she's actually, doing we, it. With, she's doing it with a smile as she's yeah, looking right. at Keely too. I love oh, it. That's hilarious. Um, <laughs> and then back to Jamie again. Uh, uh, actually, May, um, would you be a darling and ask those lads at the end of the bar to stop staring at me, please? Oi, you three, fuck off! Oh yeah, of course, May. Sorry, fucking <laughs> off now. <laughs> wow, old people are so wise. They're like tall Yodas. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the only one I have left too uh, is Roy sitting in the dressing room before he goes on with Sky Sports and he says Jamie Carragher sent me flowers we fucking despised each other when we played now he's sending me flowers how the fuck does he know I love white orchids (laughs) 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 Uh, I do of course Okay. I've got so much you know what I mean (laughs) Uh, glad to have you on the show, Roy. Whatever. Same old Roy Kent. Hey, Roy, try not to get too emotional, yeah? <laughs> oh, buddy. That was oh, George. Oh, buddy. Uh, you could call me Doc. It's okay. Oh, thank God. I mean, that's been killing me. You saw it. You know. It's just such a good nickname. Oh, that's the end. All right. That's the end. All right. Yeah. Then we're all good. Goody, goody, good. All right, let's dive into some feedback for the episode, in which we we have a couple. We have uh, two voicemails this week, uh, one from our friend Jason and the other from our friend Steve. So uh, let's kick it off with uh, a voicemail from Jason. Hi, Ben and Kristen. This is Jason in San Jose providing feedback for episode two of season two, Lavender. The beginning of this episode totally threw me off with Lust Conquers All. That was just so funny. It was really great seeing Jamie back, and I had totally forgotten how he got back onto the team. And so sad for Sam, but yeah, I'm really going to enjoy seeing Jamie's story arc continue. In this episode, I also loved Roy finally becoming a pundit on TV. Uh, His replies were just absolutely hysterical. Loved every minute of that. So fun. But yeah, I I did love seeing Jamie and Ted back at the pub. And by the way, I I meant to mention this in the previous episode that I love seeing May with white hair rather than the uh, darker hair that she had in season one. I'm so used to looking at her like that. But right after... May tells the uh, three guys at the end of the bar to fuck off. Uh, Jamie's reply just cracked me up. Wow. All people are so wise. Mm. They're like tall Yodas. (laughs) Cheers. May the force be with you. Yeah, and I had to throw in a little bit more of the the Star Wars reference that was mentioned in the previous episode. I linked something on the uh, Facebook page as well. Anyway, with the new year coming up, just wish you guys a happy new year. And I look forward to the rest of season two. And with that, this has been Jason in San Jose. Namaste, baby! He does that so well. <laughs> I, I know. It makes me laugh every time I hear him do it. Namaste. Bye-bye. Um, yeah. So I for, I didn't realize May changed her hair color. I wasn't really paying I guess I wasn't paying. Yeah, me neither. Because I didn't really notice that. May is just May, you know? I and I love that actor. Annette Badland is the uh is the actress. And I've seen her in other stuff too. She was a villain in uh 
in a couple episodes of Doctor Who early on with David Tennant. So uh, I think she's been in um, oh EastEnders, which is another BBC show. She's done a ton of stuff over in the BBC, obviously. But yeah, she's That's a, awesome. Yeah, she's a great actress. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm glad to see her. And she's great. She's great as May. She's yeah, absolutely. she's definitely. If I ever saw her in anything else, I'd be like, oh, May is in this. You know, yeah. it like some people are just really fit their roles. And I kind of want I I would love that's how I would want my bartender to be. Yes. At 100%. a bar. hundred percent. Yeah. Telling guys to just fucking be quiet. <laughs> Old people are so wise. Old like tiny Yodas. So <laughs> he did link. He did leave a link on the Facebook page about um because we talked a little bit about that with the whole, like, is that the proper way to respond to may the force be with you? And also and, you. and it is a little bit of a Mandela effect is what the mm-hmm. article states. Um, so, but if you want to check that out, he did link it. It's on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash revisited pod uh, under the, the post for feedback for this. Ep- or no, under the, uh, the link for our last episode, he posts it under there. So go and check it out. Got it. Uh, and that leaves us, of course, to our live steving from our friend Steve. So let's Yay. play that now. Hello, Ben and Kristen. This is Steve, and this is going to be for Ted Lasso, Season 2, Episode 2, Lavender. Oh, it's starting right in. Like, there was no preamble or anything. Just, there's the Lust Conquers All uh, set. Oh, I remember this. <laughs> Loser Jamie. Amy, so, what's the word I'm thinking of? Such an airhead. Yeah, I just found out that George Harrison died 20 years ago. <laughs> I mean, those two morning show hosts, they had to be representing somebody, but I don't know who. Who's Kathy Lee Gifford's... Uh, Host, co-host now, I don't know, because I, I don't watch that show. Slams the door right in Will's face. We're seeing again the nasty side of Nate. I just said Lavender, name of the episode, mic drop. We'll set it back, Lavender, title of the episode, mic drop. And so Keely has no trouble with the word moist. I don't either, some people do. It's not a bike, it's a transformer. Ooh, Dr. Sharon just seeing him right through Ted and what he's doing. It's very disarming. <laughs> Only with the word filthy in front of it, and then <laughs> Rebecca hitting the backspace key. <laughs> if you th- th- this whole Leslie storyline of him not having an office, it was it was a little I don't know interesting the first time around, but watching it repeatedly, it, you're right. There should be like a conference room or something in this place that he can use as an office. Rebecca just eat the cookie that or the biscuit that Doctor Sharon had taken a bite of. Way I listened to the holiday special, which was great, by the way. I need to watch that uh, Hannah Waddingham spectacular uh, House of Christmas special annual. But, um, you know, <laughs> Ben, you said uh, you want to see Rebecca in that red red dress, and Kristen said it was creepy. And, you know, what's creepier is I want to see Rebecca out of that red dress. Oh, God. <laughs> I love these scenes with Roy and the little girls' <laughs> football team. It's a header in football. Roy catching Keeley, <laughs> wanking to his retirement video. Real roller coaster. Glad I was tall enough to join you on that ride. Talking about his father being harder on himself uh, than on him uh, just reminds me of, of what happened. And I'm not going to spoil it because some people have forgotten or haven't watched the show yet. But it's, uh, it's wow. Is it true? Is there an account for Ted's mustache on Twitter? I wonder. I guess it's the X now. Uh, Roy's insecurity about going on TV is is evident, but uh, Keeley's building him up. That is a killer suit on Roy, by the way. Just to say, the black on black on black. I wish I could pull something like that off, off, but I don't know if I could. See Nate's office? Can you, is there enough room in there for both of them? Because I don't remember this part of the storyline. Because the whole Higgins without, without an office thing is just ridiculous. I totally forgot about this. Roy going down on her while she's watching his retirement video. <laughs> 
Oh, so he's breaking through a little bit to Dr. Sharon. She says, call me Doc, and then tells him Prince of Ties is her favorite book. Oh, Jamie Tart with that severe haircut. Or, oh, I guess it's just pulled back. All right, on to next week, and I'm going to watch The Slow Horses, Kristen, because you recommended it. <laughs> Yay! That was a journey. That yeah, was. <laughs> so- um, there are multiple accounts for Ted Lasso's mustache on X, because I, I looked uh, as, as he brought it up. There are multiple accounts. There, um, the morning duo that you're talking about the is real. an actual, yeah, they are an actual duo on, uh, you know, England's Good Morning America version of their show, but they are hilarious. I really look them up because they have a few different segments that, uh, you know, post kind of like Graham Norton or Jimmy Fallon or something like that. And they're classic. They are so freaking funny. Well, I think we you'll talk- agree with me. Yeah, we've well, talked about this. We, well, we talked earlier about the one yeah. with Gino, Gino DeCampo making the mac and cheese. It's But there's so many of them. There's yeah. so many of them. They are hilarious. So yeah, it's it's up. it's uh, Philip Schofield and Holly Willoughby are there the you um, go. yeah are the actual they're, hosts. They're just in like you know my scroll when I'm just scrolling. I'm like, yeah. oh, I like these guys. I don't learn anybody's name. <laughs> yeah, I wa- I watch clips of of Philip and Holly too, as I do Graham Norton because I love Gra- um, anything on Graham Norton is mandatory watching for yeah. me. I, yeah. I love me Graham well. Norton so much. Yeah, <laughs> we've talked so, about this. Yeah. Uh, but thank you to Jason and Steve for leaving us feedback this week. Uh, if you want to leave feedback for any episode, whether it be future or past, we encourage you to do so. Easiest way to do that, go to revisitedpod.com. Uh, there you can find links on how to leave feedback, where to subscribe, listen, all that fun stuff. Uh, or you can just email us directly, feedback at revisitedpod.com. Uh, you had an idea. Instead mm-hmm. of recommendations, I'm going to I'm going to let you take the reins on this one. So instead of recommendations this year, I want to share our uh, 2024 goals, resolutions, challenges, anything that you're looking forward to for uh, 2024, since it is the last day of the year right now as we are recording this and you will be hearing this on the first day of the year. OK, so do you want me to go first? Sure. If um, you'd like. Uh, yeah, because I don't. So I don't keep resolutions. I don't. I don't like the term resolutions because I feel like resolutions you can fail. Um, so I sent. I, I set myself goals for 2024, um, and I have four um, off the top of my head that I can think of. Nothing too major. Nothing too difficult. First one: read at least one book a month. I am horrible at keeping up with reading. I'm so far behind on books that I have. So I want to start making the time. And I want to read at least one book a month. Good. I think that's very easily achievable. Mm-hmm. Um, two, I want to get back to streaming. I want to get back to streaming, like game streaming on Twitch and, awesome. and such. So I got to start making time for that. Um, number three, I want to work on my ro- on my wardrobe. Um, <laughs> most of my wardrobe, having not had to be an office job or anything like that, has just yeah. been nothing but blue jeans and t-shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm realizing more and more as I'm going to more job interviews and to weddings and stuff that I'm starting to outgrow my, (laughs) my other stuff. So, and I'll be honest with you, the past couple weeks, having dressed up for Thanksgiving, dressed up for Christmas, not dressed up like suits or anything like that, but like blue jeans and a nice shirt and everything. I kind of felt good dressing up like that. 
like getting out, out of the world. The, yeah. Like getting yeah. out of a t-shirt and jeans. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of just want to like spruce up my wardrobe a little bit, add more Good. shirts and stuff like that. Uh, and then the other one is just something that's a given for me. I, my friends here at home, I have one of the most diverse group of friends. Like I'm, and I'm not just talking like uh race wise, like, you know, like black chap, like all that. I'm like, I'm talking like sexual orientation wise. Mm-hmm. I have, gay, bi, pan, trans, like I I have one of the most diverse group of friends. Um so my my biggest goal is just to not remain an ally but to become a bigger ally. I've always been an ally but it's mm-hmm. just to be a bigger ally to mm-hmm. all of them. That's awesome. Like, like maybe participate more in some in some marches and events and things like that just to mm-hmm. show more support than I have. Good. Those are all really good. Uh, goals. So what about you? Um, you know, I, I like to have guidelines as well for the year. And, um, you know, it's, I always have the same ones. Like the holidays are always just like an eat-a-thon for us eating and drinking and blah, 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 blah. So we always do dry January. So really looking forward to, uh, to that. (laughs) Um, but kind of like as, uh, like as a bigger scope, like we moved into our house a little over a year ago and we are still not moved in. So I would like to fully move into my house. (laughs) Um, I just feel like, you know, we moved in and everything started going wrong with the house and then like jobs and everything, just everything got really complicated really fast. So I'm really looking forward to just like moving into the house and kind of making it a home and not just somewhere where we're you know, sleeping, um, for the, like we have been for the last year. Um, we always have, I always have a goal that we go somewhere new that we've never been, um, as a family. So we'll be doing that this year. Um, I know that we want to go to Maine. We've never been to Maine. So we're talking about driving up to Maine, um, for a camping trip this summer. So hopefully we can get that going. Um, and I want, me and my family to just kind of connect more, um, laugh more, play more games, go more places, um, just stop living so separately. I think that uh, the four of us have lived very separately for the past year for a variety of different reasons. And um, it's 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 time for us to just turn towards each other um, and just kind of love on each other this year. So um those are just kind of just some goals. I, I need to get healthier again. Um, you know, I used to run half marathons. I used to eat really clean. I used to have a nice skincare routine. I used to have a nice self-care routine. I've just gotten completely out of that habit in the last couple of years. And I can just kind of feel it in my everyday attitude, motivation, overall outlook on things. And so, um, you know, I really want to just concentrate on on getting myself and my mind and, and my body just healthy again. Yeah. Would I, I'd love to lose weight, obviously, but, you know, I can be this weight if I feel healthy, but I just don't feel healthy. I'm so, the same way. Yeah. I, I don't either. So that's, that's also one of my goals is to um, – <clears throat> develop a better relationship with not just my 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 physical appearance but with food mm-hmm. because anxiety has caused me to develop a, a binge eating issue oh me and too 
Um, I'm still fighting it and it, it sucks, but yeah, it's, that is a big goal is to kind of not be held hostage to try not to be held as hostage to anxiety as I usually mm-hmm. am. Yeah. 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 Just be, yeah. I, I just, it, it's almost like it's time to come out of our collective cocoons. I think that we've all been cocooning for a really long time. And um, I don't know, 2024 feels like it's going to be okay. Promising. Yeah. 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 I kind of do that too. Like I feel it's the first time in a, in a long time that I've kind of felt almost a little hopeful. Oh, me too. Which is scary. For, so for the new year, I, I know. Yep. I, I feel it too, though. Yeah, it's the first time I felt hopeful going into a new year in a long time. Which is crazy because it's an election year, so it's gonna be, it's gonna be a year where I shut out a lot of the noise. I don't want. I I already know my feelings on everything. I don't need to be a part of the crazy that I know is about to to come this year. So I'm really gonna try and shield myself and my children from what's coming this year. Yeah. Because it's going as crazy as the 2020 election was. I don't see this election cycle, this American uh, election cycle, going well. And it, the only thing it's going to do is harden our hearts. It's going to uh, make us more angry. It's going. It, the election cycle is going to be aimed at scaring us, um, at making us hate each other, and. I just am over it. So I'm going to shield us from that nonsense. I already know how I feel. I don't need to be convinced of anything else. So I'm going to turn it off. I'm going to I'm going to try and see about putting filters on my computer and filters everywhere. I I just I want to turn it off. 2020 in addition to pandemic scare like everything Mhm was look it's the reason why my anxiety is still at the high levels that it is right They've n- it's never gone down and i'm with you i am fearful for how my anxiety is going to take this upcoming election year as well uh for what it holds for the future of us as people in this country mm-hmm. uh but i'm i'm going to try my best to like you just not let it affect me the way Which I Which is before. difficult because you and I care very deeply about a lot of these issues, but we know where we stand on it. We yep. know how we feel. And so I don't feel the need to engage in that kind of unbelievably toxic rhetoric. I just don't need it. And I don't think any of us really need it. And I think no. that if we, I think that if we as a people just decided we don't want this anymore, turn it off, like maybe things will calm down, but that won't happen. So nope. what, what can I do? I can, I can protect myself. I can protect my children as much as I can. Yeah. No, I get it. I totally get it because I'm going to try my best to do the same thing. Yeah. So, so good luck to you. Good luck to me. Yeah. And off we go to 2024. There we go. <laughs> It's the best way to put it. I can't think of anything else. Uh, I I will throw out one recommendation just because I know you and your family have been watching it. I plan to watch it, even though I haven't yet. Yeah. Uh, is Percy Jackson. Woo! Percy yeah. Jackson! 
<laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry to anybody listening, but if you could have just seen Kristen do that, you reminded me so much of Kristen Wiig as the target lady. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. That feels good (laughs) in my heart. A coupon. (laughs) (laughs) Just the way you mimicked with your hands and everything. Percy Jackson's real good. You just made me think of. Kristen Wiig is the target lady. No, I think a lot. Thank you. Ha ha. (laughs) No, I think that people our age might be, think that it's campy, but I invite people to understand that this is a book series. uh, It's a young adult book series. Yeah. Targeting middle school age kids. This is perfect for their demographic. And I love being along for the ride because it's fun. And if you've read the books, you know the stories and you know what's coming and it's just so fun. And it's fun to watch my kids, you know, like. Sometimes that campiness is fun even as adults. mm -hmm. Um, But you have to just take your serious hat off, you know? What the hell is the name of that movie series? There was three of them. Um, from Disney, where the villains had kids. Oh, Spy Kids. No, not Spy Kids. Oh, no, it was oh, like Descendants. The, the Descendants. Descendants. Oh yeah. my gosh, so good. They're so, campy so good. as hell. Who cares? I had fun watching those <laughs> oh my, movies. Well, we went through a Descendants phase for like two years here, so like the Des- the Descendants is a part of the fabric of okay. family. <laughs> <laughs> But you, but you know, you mentioned like things that adults might find campy because they're made no, no, no. for. No, no. What I'm saying kids. is, I totally agree with you. Yeah, the yeah. Descendants is amazing. <laughs> but I'm just saying, like, I enjoyed those. So Percy Jackson, I, I don't care if it's campy or not. No, I'm you're gonna, gonna love it. it. You're yeah. gonna love it. I already so I'm, I know I'm you. a fan of the books. Yeah, I'm talking to the people. <laughs> the people out there. I'm talking to the people. <laughs> uh, any final notes before we wrap things up for no. this first episode of 2024? Good riddance 2023. Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. <laughs> and uh, here's to 2024. Yeah. The year of Kobe Bryant. Was his number 24? Yeah. Um, I, it's just something I've been saying. Don't don't mind me. <laughs> no, I won't. It's fine. Uh, so then with that being said, we hope you guys had a wonderful new year as you'll be hearing this as the as first thing in 2024. Uh, Thank you, as always, for, for listening, commenting, subscribing, all that you guys do. But until next time, we'll see you guys out there on the pitch. Take care. Namaste, baby.